Russia targets central Ukraine in deadly aerial attack. Andres R. Martinez Eric Schmidt Matthew Pope Big Aurelian Breeden Gaia Gupta Gabriela Sapasoa. At least six people were killed on Tuesday morning after Russian forces struck buildings in a central Ukrainian city that was already reeling from the Kakovka Dam disaster in what Ukrainian officials said was the latest such attack that appeared to target civilians. Rescuers were working to find survivors and put out a fire, which was still burning hours after the attack in the city, Krivi Rih, Serhi Lysak, the governor of the Dnipro region, said on his Telegram channel. At least 25 people were injured, he said. Mr. Lysak told the city's residents to heed air raid alarms. The city's military administration also confirmed the attack early Tuesday. Video player loading Russia stepped up its campaign of attacks on Ukrainian cities in May, targeting the capital, Kiev, most nights. Russian forces used a combination of weapons, including drones and some of the most sophisticated conventional missiles in their arsenal, to attack the city, creating chaos and panic among residents who had grown hardened to attacks since the start of the full-scale invasion in February 2022. Ukraine has become adept at defending itself from Russian air attacks, but debris from some intercepted missiles and drones has killed and injured people across the country since the beginning of May. Earlier on Tuesday, air raid sirens warned residents in Kiev and Kharkiv to take shelter. In Kharkiv, a building and a warehouse were hit, according to the mayor, Ayer Tarakov. Krivi Rih, a steel and mining city, is about 100 miles from the front line in Ukraine's east and has been affected by the destruction last week of the Kakovka Dam. On Monday, local authorities ordered residents to consume less water because of a decrease in supplies. As the flooding from the dam's destruction has receded, the resulting humanitarian disaster has become more apparent. At least 10 people have died, and water for irrigation and drinking has become harder to find. Ukraine has blamed Russia for the destruction of the dam and said that President Vladimir V. Putin's forces were trying to divert Ukrainian resources that were focused on a counteroffensive. The State of the War Ukraine's Counteroffensive after a week of mostly silence about its newly launched campaign to drive Russian forces from Ukrainian territory, Ukraine's military claimed its first small gains. Ukrainian floods In southern Ukraine, a disaster is unfolding in slow motion after an explosion destroyed the dam at the Kakovka Reservoir, emptying its waters and threatening livelihoods and crucial industries. Russia's war comes home. Mounting Ukrainian attacks on the Russian side of the border have killed at least a dozen civilians and displaced thousands. But they have not fundamentally changed the calculus for President Vladimir Putin. Washington, the Biden administration's latest $325 million military aid package to Kyiv will include the kind of armored fighting vehicles that have already become a mainstay in the counteroffensive Ukraine has undertaken in its east and south, two Pentagon officials said on Monday. The aid package, which will come from existing Pentagon inventories and is expected to be officially announced on Tuesday, includes a total of about two dozen Bradley and Stryker armored fighting vehicles, the official said. It also includes more rockets for the HIMARS mobile system and more missiles for the air defense systems known as NASMs, they added. The officials spoke on the condition of anonymity to discuss details of the aid package before the announcement. 
the German Leopard 2 tanks and Bradley infantry fighting vehicles that Ukraine's army has sent forward over the past week as part of the long-anticipated counteroffensive are an upgrade from its aging fleet of Soviet-era equipment. They have helped lead a multi-pronged assault against Russian forces along a front that arcs for hundreds of miles, focusing on a part of the Zaporizhia and Donetsk regions. Sending additional American armored vehicles took on added significance in the past week as fighting intensified. At least eight American-made Bradleys were abandoned by Ukrainian troops or destroyed, based on videos and photographs posted by pro-war Russian bloggers and verified by The New York Times. The United States has already sent 109 Bradleys and 90 strikers to Ukraine, according to the Defense Department. Some European countries have also sent dozens of their own armored fighting vehicles to Ukraine in the past several months. With the latest military aid package, the Pentagon has committed just over $40 billion in arms, ammunition and equipment, whether from its own stockpiles or from new contracts with defense companies for future delivery, since Russia's full-scale invasion started in February 2022. The additional aid comes as Defense Secretary Lloyd J. Austin III and General Mark A. Gamilly, the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, prepare to leave for a series of NATO meetings later this week in Brussels, where the war in Ukraine will be the main topic. The Director General of the United Nations Nuclear Watchdog said on Monday he was on his way to Ukraine to assess the situation at the Zaporizhia nuclear power plant after a dam breach depleted water levels in the reservoir it uses to cool reactors and spent nuclear fuel. The director, Rafael Mariano Grossi, said he would meet with President Volodymyr Zelensky of Ukraine and present a plan for assistance in the aftermath of floods unleashed by the destruction of the Kakovka Dam last week. The breach of the dam sent water from the Dnipro River coursing downstream and drastically reduced the volume of water in the Kakovka Reservoir. Mr. Grossi said over the weekend that while there was no immediate threat to the water supplies at the Zaporizhia plant, the UN nuclear watchdog was urgently seeking new data about depleting water levels in the reservoir. He said there were discrepancies between the water level readings taken by Ukrainian officials upstream of the Kakovka Dam and the readings that were taken at the Zaporizhia plant, which is next to the reservoir and is under Russian control. Ukraine controls the western banks of the reservoir, while Russia holds parts of the eastern bank. At least 14 people have died as a result of the dam disaster, which has also caused widespread environmental damage and left hundreds of thousands of people without access to clean drinking water. The drop in the reservoir's water level also presents the latest risk to the nuclear plant, the largest in Europe, which was seized by Russian troops near the start of Moscow's full-scale invasion of Ukraine in February last year. Even though the nuclear plant has not been producing electricity for several months now, it still needs access to water and power for cooling and other essential safety and security functions and to avoid the risk of a potential fuel meltdown and release of radioactive material. The watchdog group, the International Atomic Energy Agency, said in a statement on Sunday. Water to cool the plant's six reactors and perform other critical safety functions is supplied via a pond on the facility's grounds that is fed by the reservoir. The pond, which is more than two miles long, more than a mile wide and around 50 feet deep, contains enough water to meet the plant's needs for several months, Mr. Grossi said but it also needs to be supplemented with reservoir water, which means accurate monitoring of the reservoir's water level is crucial. 
Mr. Grossi said that there was a discrepancy of around six feet between water level readings taken at the thermal power plant on the nuclear facility's grounds and readings taken elsewhere on the reservoir. Inspectors from the I.A.E. who have been stationed at the plant since last year need access to the thermal plant to understand the reason for the difference, Mr. Grossi said. Ukrainian workers continue to operate the plant, but security and access is controlled by Russian troops. Five of the plant's six reactors are in cold shutdown mode, the safest state of operation, while the sixth remains in hot shutdown to produce steam to support processes that contribute to safety on the site, the IAA said in its statement on Sunday. That appeared to contradict an earlier statement from Ukraine's state nuclear company, which said that the last reactor still producing energy at the plant had been put into a cold shutdown, a state in which it no longer generates electricity, as a safety precaution after the destruction of the dam threatened its water supply. The cooling pond has become even more important for maintaining the stability of the plant since the dam was breached, and Mr. Grossi said last week that nothing should be done to damage it. Over the past year, shelling has cut external power supplies to the plant and also hit an area where spent fuel is stored. Mr. Grossi has repeatedly warned of the potential for nuclear catastrophe at the plant. In addition, Kyiv's forces have recently launched a counteroffensive in southern Ukraine that raises the possibility of military confrontation in the plant's vicinity. The leaders of France, Germany and Poland met in Paris on Monday and reaffirmed their unwavering support for Ukraine amid continuing discussions about what kind of long-term security guarantees can be provided to the embattled country. Ukraine's allies must ensure not only that Russia does not emerge victorious from this venture, but also that it is unable to repeat it, President Emmanuel Macron of France said during a joint news conference with Chancellor Olaf Scholz of Germany and President Andrzej Duda of Poland. Mr. Macron said France would ramp up its deliveries of aid to the Ukrainian military, including weapons, ammunition and armored vehicles, and joined his counterparts in repeatedly and emphatically affirming support for Ukraine. Our unity is our strength, a strength that Russia did not expect, Mr. Scholz said, adding that it was time for President Vladimir V. Putin of Russia to understand that his plan has failed. Most of Ukraine's Western allies agree on the need to give Ukraine vigorous security guarantees, but they still differ, sometimes sharply, on the details, including whether those guarantees should come within the structure of NATO or outside it. Those debates are expected to culminate at a NATO summit next month in Vilnius, Lithuania, where members will discuss ways of strengthening ties between the alliance and Ukraine. President Volodymyr Zelensky of Ukraine, who has pressed for his country's NATO membership, said on Sunday that he had a productive conversation with Mr. Duda that included Kyiv's expectations ahead of the summit. We understand the importance of strong steps by the alliance to guarantee security for Ukraine, Mr. Zelensky wrote on Twitter. On Monday, Mr. Duda said that Ukraine was expecting a clear prospect of joining the alliance and that he had no doubt that it would eventually be part of NATO. Even so, he acknowledged that the major question was when that membership will become possible. Other countries have been less bullish on swift NATO membership for Ukraine, including France. Mr. Macron, in a speech this month in Bratislava, said that Ukraine needed tangible and credible security guarantees, and he argued that leaving Ukraine out of any sort of security framework made little sense after arming it with a vast array of military equipment. 
but he said that consensus on granting Ukraine full NATO membership was still elusive and suggested instead to build something between the security provided to Israel and the full-fledged membership, a reference to Washington's clear commitment to Israel's continuing security without a specific mutual defense treaty. More than 2,500 Ukrainians have been returned in prisoner-of-war exchanges since the start of the full-scale Russian invasion, President Volodymyr Zelensky of Ukraine said on Monday. We remember everyone, Mr. Zelensky wrote on Twitter, in a post that included a video of recently returned soldiers. We are searching for each and every one of them, and we have to bring them all back. Russia's defense ministry said in a statement on the Telegram messaging app that it had received 94 soldiers who were to be taken to medical facilities for treatment and rehabilitation. Mr. Zelensky announced that 95 Ukrainians were returned, including two officers and 93 privates or sergeants. 31 of the Ukrainians were soldiers who defended Mariupol, a southern port city that was an early symbol of the war's destruction and human toll. More than 2,500 Ukrainian soldiers surrendered after a grueling fight at the city's Azovstal steel plant in May 2022, and Ukrainian officials have vowed to do everything possible to bring the soldiers home. Other returned soldiers defended Chernobyl, Snake Island and Bakhmut, Andriy Yermak, a top aide to Mr. Zelensky, wrote on Twitter on Sunday. The prisoner exchange on Sunday is one of several this year that have freed hundreds of soldiers. Last year, 35 prisoner swaps resulted in the release of about 1,600 Ukrainians, Ukrainian officials said. A Ukrainian man who fled the Russian invasion last year won a half million euros from a scratch-off ticket in Belgium, lottery officials in Brussels said on Monday. Officials did not release the man's name but said he'd bought the five-euro ticket on May 16. The size of the prize, nearly $540,000, meant he had to report to the lottery headquarters in person to claim it. Joke Vermoer, a spokeswoman for the National Lottery, said in a statement that the winner had mixed feelings about his winnings. His mind was clearly in Ukraine, but he was also delighted with his win, as if it were a sign of hope in a dark time. She said. The man is one of more than 8 million Ukrainian citizens who have been displaced by the war, according to the UN High Commissioner for Refugees. There are more than 72,000 refugees in Belgium, according to UN figures. Ms. Vermoer said the man, who is between the ages of 18 and 24, wanted to put some of the prize money toward efforts to rebuild his country, where he plans to return after the fighting ends. But first, she said, he wants to organize a party here in Belgium for the family and friends who took care of him, helped him get through the war and integrate into our country.